The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 8th chapter. To thee, o Lord. Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite of Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would not or he would break the bonds of those shackles and be driven by the demon into the desert. Jesus then asked him, "What is your name?" And he said, "Legion," for many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter these, so he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled, and they told it in the city and in the country, then people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be yours in abundance through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Okay, so we are in the season after Pentecost now. We're going to see lots of readings that are related to or themed around the life of Jesus. We're going to learn lots of stuff. There's going to be Old Testament readings and Psalms that you know, speak directly to what's happening in the gospel. There's going to be epistle readings in sequential order. And we'll follow Paul or Peter or John's logic from one chapter to the other, it's going to be marvelous. But today, we have three readings that 
are all related to one another. And it's a blessing. Jesus has just given the, you know, time-tested, eternal parable of the sower. You know, where he, uh, a sower sows seeds, and that seed is the word of God. And it falls among good soil, rocky soil, and thorny soil, right? There's, so there's like three different categories of ways you can respond to the word. And he's about to illustrate that by going across the lake so that no Jews can see him doing it. And he's going to cast out demons from dirty pagan Gentiles because he loves them. But it's going to be crazy. He's got to do it in secret. And one group of people is going to reject him and another group of people is going to believe in him in faith. It's a illustration of the parable of the sower. Now what's interesting is right before we get today's reading, Jesus calms the storm, right? The wind, even the winds and the seas obey him. This guy is somehow our creator. Somehow creation responds to and listens to and obeys what he has to say. Just like how God spoke everything into creation with mere words, this man, somehow our creator, commands creation. And we begin with this Isaiah reading. And in the Isaiah reading that Jerry so graciously read for us, it's, you get like to see into the mind of God. God is very angry with these pagans that not only mistreated his chosen people, the Hebrews, but they also live lives that are not in accordance with how God would like them to live. They hurt other people. They don't do what they say. They, you know, and we kind of chuckle when we read this because we have freedom as Christians, but they eat the flesh of pigs. You know, and sometimes when you're on vacation in like the Mid-South and South, you have barbecue too many nights in a row and you start to feel a little burpy all the time and Maybe there's some truth to not eating pork, but there's also this gross thing about the broth of tainted meat being in their vessels. You know, they're trying to do these experiments where they're, um, uh, they're marinating their meat in, for days on end and it's going nasty. What's going on with these people? But he says... Despite all of this, he says, someone says to him, they're like when you find wild grapes. That's what it says in Isaiah. You find these wild grapes and you're just going to cast them aside. But someone stops the Lord and says, wait. If you just let these grapes age, they'll turn into wine. 
And if you give it enough time, it will be a fine wine. And that's just a glimpse, a glimmer of the kind of mindset that God has towards us. That even when we disobey or we don't do what he would like us to do in ways that not only hurt our lives but hurt others, he waits and he waits and he waits. He's long-suffering. And why does he wait and wait and wait? To give us a chance to repent, to change our ways, to believe in him. And it's not all about us, though. Also, he gives us the chance to share the gospel message. Like this man who was possessed by demons went and told, they said, you know, Jesus said, go and tell everyone what God has done for you. And the man went and told everyone what Jesus had done for him. Meaning, God is Jesus and Jesus is God. Now, kind of keep in your mind, as you read this, this interesting icon that I found online. We have Jesus freeing this man who's bound up in the tombs of his demons. But what's on the bottom there? What's running across by their feet? Can anyone see what's going on there? Are those little piggies? Yes, they are. Who, what are who, what's on the, what's riding these piggies? Little demon people, yeah. And so, we have this contrast of a man freed from demons and the demons going to their destruction in this chaotic abyss of the Sea of Galilee that Jesus alone could calm the waters of. But what's so beautiful is in the Isaiah reading, I think the standout verse is God sees this happening among the pagan people. And he says, I was ready to be found by these who didn't seek me, who didn't call me by my name, who didn't ask for me. I'm ready to go down there among them. And he says, I will go down there among them and say, here am I. Here am I to a nation that has not called me by my name. So Jesus leaves his chosen nation on a boat and he goes to this place of the Gerasenes, pagans, that are, you know, cultivating herds of pigs, which, if you think about it, would be like growing marijuana in the early 2000s here in America. Like you're out in, you know, the Pacific Northwest growing marijuana to sell to people. That's what it would be like to grow or being raise herds of pigs in this region at Jesus's time because pigs are uh, unclean. And he goes and he finds a man that should be healthy. This guy that should be at work, right? (laughs) But he's possessed by not just a demon, but many demons. And a lot of people believe that when the demon identifies itself as legion, that it's referring to the sheer number of demons that would be in the sky. Because a Roman legion would be like anywhere from 3,000 to 6,000 to 10,000 soldiers. 
So it kind of gives you an idea of how many little demon people were riding little demon pigs into the ocean. This guy was messed up. But it speaks to an eternal truth that evil will always, will always corrupt God's good creation. Whether it be people, whether it be animals, whether it be the nature you're hiking around in. And usually you can clearly perceive it with your own eyes. That this good creation of God's has been corrupted in some way. You when your, your loved one or you get sick, oh, definitely when you get sick, and you just feel like you can't do the things you want to do or you can't taste the food you love. You see it when you're walking around out there, like, you know, when you're in Bussy Woods and you're like, wow, now that's beautiful. But someone threw garbage right in my line of sight of the beautiful duck eating a fish or whatever. And of course, you know, you're interrupted in observing the beauty of creation in all things when a loved one dies or when you're facing your own death, the possibility of your own death. And so this man is afflicted. He's corrupted body and soul together by evil, by demons. Some of you may even have a spiritual gift where you can perceive this evil and it's like a gut feeling or a sense at the back of the neck. My confirmands tell me stories about it all the time. But Jesus, who has revealed himself to be the creator of all things, who has authority over the wind and the waves, He's just finished calming that storm. He's here for these people. Here am I. Here am I. Because God loves people. He is one himself. And he loves you. He wouldn't have it that these demons would ruin this man's life. Even if he's a filthy pagan. And because the presence of God simply will not allow evil to be in its presence, these demons have got to go. And so Jesus' authority over heaven and earth casts out all of these demons, these unclean animals, and they go into the churning chaos of this sea that only the Creator could calm. Evil has no place in God's creation. He banishes it. And so, as he will, once and for all, on the last day when he returns, he'll banish the devil. He will banish all of his demons to the lake of fire. Read Revelation, you'll love it. Healing, cleansing, salvation, it all is rolled into one. Body and soul together, they're redeemed by Jesus. And this is a foretaste of of what is to come on the last day when you, body and soul together, are raised, redeemed, and glorified for the Son's sake. Yet this man, who used to spend his time in the deserted, cursed places like the tombs, he's been changed forever by Jesus. 
Just like you have been changed forever by Jesus, like I have been changed forever like Jesus, like the helpless infant that we witnessed the baptism of just last Sunday, life changed by Jesus. This man, whom the demons were cast out of, sits at the Lord's feet. And he learns and he believes. And he's wearing clothes like a normal person, right? He, he's of sound mind. So someone of sound mind sits at the feet of Jesus and learns and believes in faith. It's what the Christian faith looks like. Jesus wants you sitting at the feet of himself. And those that he's sent to teach you, he wants you there learning, deepening your faith, growing your faith, beginning a faith journey, continuing on a faith journey. Maybe that you have put the pause on since your kids were born and you just never got around to it or put the pause on after the youth retreat or summer camp that you went to when you were younger. Jesus wants you sitting at the feet of himself and his teachers, lest you be found, instead of sitting at his feet learning and in faith, be found on the last day as his footstool, as all enemies in Christ will be. But what stinks is, Huge groups of people rejected Jesus on that day, rejected Jesus throughout his ministry. Think of when he was preaching in his hometown. Everyone in his hometown. Like, imagine you come back to Elk Grove Village and everyone just laughs you out. Right? Everyone rejected him. Even his his brothers and sisters and cousins, possibly his mom, Of course, many of them will repent of this later, but it's just how it goes. It's what Jesus says is going to happen. Large portions of people are going to reject him. And so he he urges us, enter through the narrow gate, for the gate to destruction is wide, and many will enter it. Just think about it. When you first come to be a pastor at a congregation, they always tell you immediately, get the directory, the membership roster, and begin to pray for all the names on the list intentionally, which is, of course, something that I continue to do each day. And it's something you can do, too. But when I'm praying through these names, boy, does it kill me that, you know, Grace be from Jesus Christ that y'all are here all the time and I get to see you and love you and know you. But this is a small portion of that long list of names that I pray for. Large groups have never been Jesus's bag, as Austin Powers might say. I do my best to call up these people, and I even sometimes visit them in their homes. Sometimes I even surprise them knocking on their door. But many or most simply, whether they say verbally or through their actions, do not want Jesus' gifts here in the divine service. It's too bad. And thank you to all of you that are talking to your friends, brothers and sisters in the faith, that are offering to drive 
all of these things. Thank you so much. But it's a sad truth that Jesus shows us here. An explication of the parable of the sower. Some seeds will land on rocky soil. Some will land on a sidewalk. Some will land among thorns and bristles. And some, a little bit of them, will land on good soil. And it will be watered. And it will grow. And it will be watered. And it will grow. And it will be watered and it will, be, it will grow. And then it will bear fruit. And that's what Jesus is looking for. Good fruit. Good fruit as the result of faith that is watered by the reading and listening and studying of the word and the receiving of the sacraments. Demons have always and still do drive us to lifeless, deserted places. Like the demon-possessed man from the city, we too find ourselves spending our nights among tombs as people, fellow people from the city with demons, as Luke describes. Instead of God's grace given in communion or our baptism, we look to television, to entertainment, to our phones for assurance and release. Instead of uniting around God's word each morning or night or even at the dinner table, we let our kids go into other rooms and lock them, and we spend limited, scheduled time together. And so thanks be to God, Jesus decided not to leave us in our sinful places, but to come down to live with, to show, to suffer, to die for us. And of course, he rose for us and he shares that eternal life with us in our baptism by faith. And sure, many of us will reject it. We even see it in our friends and our, our, our closest family members in the last couple of years. Jesus says the hearts of many will grow cold. Don't, don't do it. Don't let your heart grow cold. Don't pay attention to the signs. Don't pay attention to the earthquakes and the wars. Listen to my voice. It all goes to this picture of some people wanting to sit at the feet of Jesus and learn and listen and feed and grow and some rejecting it, departing from the presence of Christ, departing from the presence of Christ. But it doesn't change the fact that Jesus came to be where we are, to come to our lifeless places, even if those lifeless places are our homes, our bedrooms, our schools. And he raises us up to be his brothers and sisters, we who were once lost, we who were once dead in our sinful ways, he has made alive together with Christ to live with him forever. Jesus, the creator, made our bodies and souls together to not be vessels for demons, but instruments of him to be sons and daughters of his father, rightful heirs. He wants to share the riches with us. Paul 
speaks in this kind of language. Everything Jesus Christ is and has inherited is ours by faith. Before we were slaves to what Paul calls the law or the mind games we would trap ourselves in. If I do this, my kids will get into a better college or will make the travel team or will get that scholarship, but I have to neglect this. If I do this, my mother will live a little bit longer and then I won't have to face that reality yet. I'm too busy. We were slaves. But Jesus died and rose for us. And when we in simple faith believe that he did this for us, he clothes us with a robe of righteousness, which I've come to understand was a Roman ritual Paul would have been familiar with as a Roman citizen. I don't know if you've ever seen Ben-Hur. Please, can I just get a... a, a Show of hands, Ben-Hur. Have you seen Ben-Hur? All right, so there's a scene in Ben-Hur where Charlton Heston, a.k.a. Ben-Hur, is adopted by a Roman consulate or something because the Roman consulate didn't have a son. And so he adopts Ben-Hur, and they do a ceremony where they put on this toga thing, and he becomes the man's son. He truly becomes the man's son by adoption. All of what the man has goes to him. His ability to compete in chariot races goes to Ben-Hur. His ability to vote, to be represented in the Republic goes to Ben-Hur. All glory, wisdom, riches, and the notoriety that is associated with that man's name goes to Ben-Hur. And think about it, adoption, God's predilection for adoption. God chooses adoption to be how we become his sons and daughters, right? John the Baptist talks about how if the, uh, you know, God may have to raise up sons and daughters out of stones if his people reject him. Right? And Jesus repeats it when he's going into Jerusalem. And Jesus himself, is Jesus a biological child of Joseph? No. He's the son of God. But he is also the son of Joseph by adoption. Which is almost a ironic or, yeah, ironic joke on behalf of God. Who tells David because of his sin, yes, you're still going to have the Messiah through your line, but somehow also your line is not going to have a king. So how can we have a promise to David that he will have a king on the throne, but he will also not have a king on the throne? Well, he will not have a descendant by seed or flesh, but by adoption. Through the infant Jesus Christ, born of a virgin Mary, who would grow up, suffer, die under Pontius Pilate, be crucified and be buried, and then rise again for the sins of all people. 
and invites even non-Hebrews to become sons and daughters of God by adoption, which means you truly are God's son, God's daughter. When you were baptized, you were adopted by God. It's why last week we did a soft launch of the kind of awkward sounding, if you can remember, prayer that uses adoption language. It might have scared the parents, who knows? But that's the image of baptism. You're being adopted, and that's why we put on this white baptismal gown. You're receiving this robe, Christ's righteousness, the robe of adoption. You become full heir to the honor, the glory, the wisdom, the strength, the riches of Jesus. You're no longer a slave. You are a son. You are a daughter. And if a son or a daughter, then you are an heir to God. Because you are sons and daughters. God has sent the Holy Spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, You're no longer enslaved to the evil things of the world. Now you can talk to God directly, in private, in worship, wherever you are, in your head, out loud, sub-vocally as you move your lips, but think the prayers, in the groanings of your heart, directly to God, your Father. You talk to him. You can ask him for anything. Anytime. You can thank him for everything you have all the time. You can look at a sunrise, a sunset. You can look at Bussy Woods, and instead of saying, wow, that looks nice, you can say, thank you, God. This is beautiful. And the more you think like that, the more you talk to God, the more positive your life becomes, the more positive your attitude becomes, the less pessimistic and poisonous. Your presence becomes to your friends and your family, to the people at Jewel. You thank God for the job that you have. After so long of unemployment and uncertainty, you thank God for your health. I can go to church. Wow. Some of my friends, they can't go to church anymore because of their health. And I can. Wow. Thank you, God. And if you can't come to church because of your health, wow, I have a nice young pastor who will move heaven and earth to come to my house and bring me the sacrament. Thank you, God. He prays for me by name. Thank you, God. Maybe I'll pray for my friends and family by name. Thank you, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your sacrament. Thank you for this day. Amen.